please be seated. So we're coming up on the end of the semester right now, and I know what it is that all of you want, which is another test. So let's start off today with one of those. But I promise you, it'll be the easiest test that you have for the next uh, couple of weeks. Here's the, here's the only question, and only one of you needs to answer it correctly, and then you all pass. Okay, here we go. Our text today takes place on the Feast of Dedication. We have another name for the Feast of Dedication, and that name is... There we go. Oh, thank goodness. I was getting worried you were going to fail chapel, and that would be really embarrassing to try to explain. No, absolutely. The correct answer is the Feast of Dedication is Hanukkah, and it takes place, and Jesus is uh, attending on this uh, day. He's at the temple on the Feast of uh, Dedication, on the Festival of Hanukkah. Now, this festival is commemorating uh, a special occasion wherein the temple had been saved by kind of miraculous uh, intervention. It highlights a number of individuals, but the most celebrated amongst those individuals is somebody you may have heard of. His name is Judah the Maccabee, Judah the Hammer. He was a warlord who had won a series of extremely impressive victories, driven out people who were, imp who were oppressing the children of Israel. He was an impressive figure himself, tough guy, great military leader, great warrior. When people looked at him, they started to think, that they were looking at the Messiah. But of course, that wasn't the case. He started to lose. He started to make compromises. He died on the battlefield. Uh, and ultimately, uh, the, the nation had been overrun by Rome. Uh, he was clearly not uh, the Messiah that people had been hoping for. Now, Jesus has been talking about himself as we enter into this text. He's been talking about himself as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And in these verses, he's going to end up continuing uh, this uh, discussion. But there's something I want you to be aware of before we actually look at these verses. Immediately after Jesus is done talking here, everybody who's gathered around him grabs stones and intend to stone him. So I want you to th bear that in mind as we look at this text and bear that reaction to, uh, to his words in your minds. We are reading today from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 10. We'll start reading at verse 22. It says, Now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you intend to keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them from my hand." Now, right away, we can see something here. We see a sort of preview of the setup that's going to be used to finally falsely accuse Jesus and have him actually killed uh, on Good Friday, where he's accused of blasphemy and uh, uh, everyone gets on him. Now, something that we can sometimes miss in these verses is just how aggressive and confrontational this situation really is. When we uh, see these words gathered around or surrounded him, it's 
the same word that gets used for besieged. They encircled him and trapped him while he was out walking along uh, with his disciples. They, they corner him. And then this word where they say, tell us plainly. It's not, it's not like, you know, just, just tell us nicely. What they're saying is, tell us bravely. So now he's standing there. A group of people has cornered him. They've encircled him, surrounded him. And they say, are you still brave enough with all of us staring you down right now to stand here in the temple and tell us that you are the Messiah? We can't help but think about their actions in light of the festival that they are celebrating at this time. They want to see someone who's going to be tough. They want a particular kind of Messiah, a Messiah who's going to be aggressive, get in people's faces. If they don't fall in line, then beat them down. They want Darth Jesus. They want somebody who's going to be harsh, who's going to crack some heads. We enjoy this kind of confrontation too. In a lot of ways, uh, uh, we enjoy uh, seeing a smackdown, right? We're, uh, this in some ways is kind of the activity we hope for, this idea that Jesus might grab them and shake them and make them think the things that they ought to be thinking and do the things that they ought to be doing. We don't talk about this text very often. I, I could suggest to God a small tweak that would make this one of the most popular verses uh, or texts in all of the Bible. All we'd have to do is add in Jesus saying some action hero type line, and then violently putting down these people who are violently confronting him, and we would love it. If the text went, and then Jesus said, isn't it the festival of lights? And lo, their heads exploded aflame. And as he turned and walked away in slow motion, behold, he didn't even look back at the fire. We would sing carols about this. this. This would be an epic text then. That would be an amazing thing. And in so many ways, this is, this is absolutely what we want. A tough Messiah. A fighter. They were modeling the kind of Messiah that they wanted. We bear our Savior's title as a primary part of our identities when we call ourselves Christians. And we, just like them, model the kind of Messiah that we want. It's been a little bit difficult over the past few years, and I'm sure that it's been uh, this way off and on uh, 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 for millennia, but it has seemed like things have gotten awfully aggressive Sometimes when I listen to Christians talk about other human beings, I can't help but think that the savior that they're modeling is a Messiah whose fight was with humanity, not a savior whose fight was for humanity. Hate and suspicion and speculation about the motives of other people, there's this desire that consistently gets reflected in our language and in our appraisals and attitudes that indicates we desire to see people brought in line, order enforced, rather than reach out 
to people where they are at with the kind of love that Jesus responds to an actual attack on him in these texts. The way that he responds to this aggressive, silly show of force is the way our Messiah, the Messiah, responds. He responds with bravery. He responds with love. They told him, answer us bravely. Boy, did he ever. He was surrounded by them. They were already fingering stones, getting ready to attack. And so, what does he say? I've been saying to you I'm the Messiah. Haven't you been listening? Haven't you been watching the things that I've been doing? The healings, the words. He gives them without any hesitation, not only the testimony that they were looking for, but the evidence to support it. In his words, we can see echoes of Psalm 23. We can see him tying himself to those verses, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus points out that it's talking about him. He is the shepherd. He is David's Lord. There's kind of an interesting turn of phrase. We translate uh, idioms in the Bible uh, so that they make sense to us in uh, colloquial English. Uh, For example, in the Old Testament, if it says that you were moved in your bowels, then what it means is that you just knew something deep down in your gut. But if we were to translate that directly and say they were moved in their bowels, it means something different in English, right? Same story here, right? The the way that we're translating uh, these uh, verses is that uh, they say, how long do you keep us in doubt? But if we were actually to really uh, dissect the idiom and translate the words directly, what they say is, how long until you raise up our souls? Now, again, this is an idiomatic expression that means don't leave us hanging. But Jesus actually answers that question as well. How how are you going to raise up ourselves? How long until you tell us how you raise up our souls? It's amazing that this exact accusation and reaction, the accusation of blasphemy, and then the reaction of religious authorities looking to kill Jesus, is the way in which he intends to raise up their souls. God took hate. He took rancor. He took every sin and every aggressive posturing that the world could throw at him and carried it on himself. He showed love in the greatest way by laying down his life for the sheep and thereby giving them eternal life. Jesus's death on the cross was brought about by the sin of the world. The Messiah's product in that was forgiveness of sins. We piled our sins on him and killed the Son of God with them. But when we laid him in the tomb, the sins stayed there, and our Messiah walked out alive. We are his flock. He brings us beside still waters through baptism, connecting us to the forgiveness that he won. He leads us into green pastures and feeds us with his body and blood that take away our sins. Our cups of forgiveness overflow. Goodness and mercy are the things that our Savior brings, not war. And they follow us all the days of our life 
until we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It is love that won us, not love that was deserved, love that was shown. Amen. We pray. Lord God, we thank you that you sent, your Messiah, uh, sent a Messiah of love and not a Messiah of revenge and wrath. His conquest over sin and death come by his sacrifice, the way to heaven made open for us with his blood. Give us hearts to reflect our Savior's love for humanity and trust to follow him closely into eternal life. In his name we pray. Amen. of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you. Amen.